Hey guys, welcome to another episode of A Slut with Morals. I am your host, Ruby May. <laughs> you can follow my Instagram, Twitter, and what's the other one? Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at A Slut with Morals. You can also now follow the TikTok at A Slut with Morals podcast, and that's all one word. Um, tonight, I am here with my friend. Anthony Martin, um, who has actually, uh, we've, he's actually helped me out through some of my fucked up, um, well, it is fucked up, he's laughing, um, moments, and, like, uh, he's made me realize some things about myself that I really do appreciate, and I've started working on just mentally and, um, emotionally, so I really do appreciate that. That makes me feel good. Yeah, um, which is kind of funny. So um, Anthony also has a podcast himself. It's called Life Ramblings on Spotify. Um, are you on any other sites? Um, Google Play, Apple Podcasts. I think it's on all media, I guess. It's all media. Okay. Yeah. Um, so kind of like me, I do upload from like Anchor and stuff to you? Or... Uh, I use my host site as Podbean, I think. So I just kind of use them. Honestly, I should probably be more consistent with my uploads, but... Yes, because I did notice that your last upload was, like, July 4th of this year. Yep. So, all right, but continuing. So, Anthony, once again, I really appreciate you letting me come over and having this, um, talking about H.H. Holmes, which I also appreciate that you actually did the research, because sometimes when I talk about some things, like... People don't do the research, you know, or if I want someone to do a podcast with me, they're like totally dumbfounded about it. Um, So it's all new to them, which I don't mind. Like I love, uh, you know, introducing people to to new things. Mm -hmm. And a lot of them is conspiracy theories. And that's just because like conspiracy theories, what I love about them is the what if behind it. It's always like, what if someone is behind something and controlling it? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, which a lot of people are like, nah, that's just the government. It's like, okay, well, the government is the people behind the things that are going on, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. So, all right. So tonight we're here to talk about H.H. Holmes and was he Jack the Ripper? Um, so hello, my dirty heathens. Um, I was going to do an episode on O.J. Simpson, but I decided to do a biography on the very sexy H.H. H. Holmes. Um, so try not to judge me for finding him hot. I just think that in today's society, with his little, like, handlebar mustache, he'd look like a type of hipster. Um, you know, just, like, throw on some tattoos and some skinny jeans, and we'd have a hottie. Oh, yeah. No, I I was like, man, this guy is definitely a rock star. He's a... Uh... The way he just like could go, honestly, it reminded me kind of like Breaking Bad because he would get into some trouble and keep going deeper and deeper and having to do more and more things. And Which we'll was, talk about. He was able to pull it off really, really well for the end. So that's the crazy thing about it. I know. So like when I started doing my research on him, um, like first we're going to talk about Jack the Ripper and kind of like the similarities. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I first started doing my research on H.H. Holmes, like, I was like, this guy could have been a mortician, he could have been an architect, he could have been a doctor, like, he graduated med school, you know what I mean? Like, 
like top of his class type of graduate, mm-hmm. not just, oh, I graduated med school with like C, you know? Um, so, uh, so first we're going to talk about England's most notorious serial killer, which is Jack the Ripper. Um, did you happen to do any research on him or just H.H. No, Holmes? Just okay. H. H. Holmes so. so in the 1800s in London, London was experiencing their first like severe population explosion with immigrants coming to find jobs anywhere that they could. They were doing, well, essentially what immigrants are doing now. You know, they come, they work at what, fast food restaurants, um, fucking cleaning sewers, gutters, you know, anything like that, landscaping, anything that they could essentially find work in, that's what they were doing. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but outbreaks of, like, violence were not uncommon in the Lower East Side of London, uh, which became the Ripper's playground. Uh, his M.O. was grabbing prostitutes and brutally ki- killing them. Uh, he would stab at their faces with a blade, but other times he would skillfully remove their organs like a surgeon. Oh, wow. Yeah, um, and that's how he became known as the Ripper. They believe he was well-educated in the human anatomy because he had the skills for surgical exploration and organ removal. Uh, theorists say that he may have killed up to 11 people, but cops could only confirm like five kills, which was mostly prostitutes. Mm-hmm. And um, which is kind of like the similarities in H.H. H. Holmes, which right. we'll get to, and you know, Jack the Ripper. Because everything was like at that moment, it's so funny to me how, like, back in the like early late 1800s, early 1900s, like, you could literally commit a crime at the same time that someone else is committing a crime, and they would all link it together, mm-hmm. you know? So it was like, so, 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 go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, like, because, um, so I am an avid gamer, mm-hmm. and one of the games I really like is Red Dead Redemption, which is set in the old-timey Western days where the law was just you go and there's a sheriff but the laws you go in and they have all these cowboys coming in and all kinds of stuff and if you want to do something you do it and that's pretty much what kind of the 1800s were reminding me of when it came to H.H. Holmes yeah yeah because it seemed like he would just go off be like a snake oil salesman go do some stuff and then if he got caught he would just go to another town and that was just kept doing it over and over. Oh, yeah. Like, I watched this documentary on this guy on Cult Case Files, actually. We were just watching that earlier. Oh, my actually. God. I fucking love it. And I don't remember the name of it, but this was a killing that happened up in Wisconsin or something like that. And this guy evaded the police for years. I mean, when they finally found him, he was in his 80s. He was freaking missing a leg. He was on a wheelchair. Um, his... his uh, his health had declined completely like from what he looked like back in the 60s and 70s compared to like now like dude was a champ you know what i mean and like now he was just like like he was former marine etc and um and he just like he really let himself go you know and the only reason that they caught him is because he whispered something on camera while he thought nobody was listening and that's how he was caught like crazy i know Anyway, so, um, and there's actually, like, ripper, ripperologists out there, like, they're, they're, they're theorists, they're, they study everything about Jack the Ripper and all of this, and so, like, that's, um, <laughs> that's actually really, really crazy to me, is that there's people out there that actually study, and this is, hun- like, a hundred, over a hundred years, 
um, that they're still studying this this person that committed these crimes because it's literally a cold case file. Yeah. You know? And it kind of reminds me, I don't know if you've ever seen the, the movie with Gerard Butler, The uh, Law-Abiding Citizen. Mm-mm. So in this movie, he's trying to exact revenge on uh, first the killers of his wife and daughter, but then also against the entire just justice system in general in the United States. But he is very precise. He's very, very intelligent. And he like is a mastermind of surgery, of, of weapons, anatomy. Uh, like our friend just, here. Yeah, just really good at everything. And um, that kind of reminds me of that because he was a very intelligent person. And it seems to me that that kind of goes hand in hand with a lot of the serial killers. They're really smart. Oh, yeah. Really like, smart. I think that they, I don't know if maybe there's like a club they have to join. You know what I mean? Like Serial Killers Anonymous. Yeah. You no, know, SKA something. I don't know. Um, but back to it. So <clears throat> back then uh, in Ripper times, the media covered so much of Jack that cops followed every single fucking lead. Like they interviewed over a thousand Londoners. Um, and during investigations, uh, the cops would receive letters, uh, fake letters, uh, stating like, oh, I'm Jack the Ripper and just like, um, kind of like copycat killers and all of that. So, um, but, but during these investigations, the cop received a letter titled from hell and the Ripper was never caught the, and the case went on for years. Like they tried to get, um, DNA testing from the letter, but they couldn't, um, but also, like, forensics back then weren't really, yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, uh, John Mulaney, I don't know if you know this comedian, but he makes a joke about cops back in the day and how, like, you know, how they would investigate these crimes. And he goes, um, you know, the detective is like, Cop- uh, uh, detective, there's a, pu- there's a puddle of blood over here. And, um, and the detective will go and be like, ooh, gross, clean it up. You know what I mean? Because it's like back then they were just like, hmm. no yeah, exactly. No um, but the Ripper was never caught and the case went on for years. Um, I think a total of like almost 11 years. And so conspiracy theorists thought it could have been Prince Albert, Victor, Christian, Edward, Duke of Clarence um, or writer Lewis Carroll, who wrote Alice in Wonderland. Um, but he was actually like a pedophile. So he actually wrote Alice in Wonderland, like, because he was, like, 19 years old or something, and he was in love with his 12-year-old neighbor. And then kept, like, pursuing her anyway. And so, like, she was Alice then? Is that what that was? In a way, yeah. So, like, he wrote the story for her. Yeah. Yeah. Um, They also... um, uh, But a a 23-year-old brown-haired, blue-eyed... Aaron Kosminski, who was a barber from Poland, was named as a as a suspect for like a, many many years. Um, but the problem was with this is that he would be in and out of insane asylums for like hearing voices, telling him to eat trash, uh, self abuse, um, which AKA is like the five knuckle shuffle, um, which AKA is um, masturbate. So like back then, masturbating was like um, a mental illness. Yeah. You know. Why did the dinosaurs die? Because you touch yourself at night. <laughs> oh. 
<laughs> what movie is that from? It's from Family Guy. <laughs> yes. Oh my God. <laughs> you totally forgot about that. Um, but then uh, years later, Kaminsky's DNA and yes, I mean semen uh, was found on a shawl left on Catherine. Um, oh fuck, I didn't write down her her last name. But um, but it was found at the murder scene. And because of this, over the years, this shawl has been, like, manhandled, kind of without care for years. Um, so it would be super difficult to prove Kosminski was the Ripper, um, which, like, kind of made me giggle because I'm like, like, he could have, like, had relations with her. Like, he probably paid her. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then, you know, like, yeah. and then she and was then, killed. Yeah. Um, but, but then, like, th- that case also kind of, like, makes me laugh a little bit because it reminds me of Tim Burton's uh, Sweeney Todd, mm-hmm. you know, the, mm-hmm. the demon barber, um, just because he's a barber. And I mean, like, imagine going to this guy that is in and out of the same asylums, you know, um, and he's like just murdering people left and right and then putting them in fucking pot pies and shit. Like, that would be crazy, like right? Arya Stark. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um. But now onto our real star, Dr. Henry Howard Holmes. Um, so about two years ago, I started reading Devil in the White City, which is a book by Eric Larson. Um, and then so I, I read it as soon as I heard that Leonardo DiCaprio bought the rights to the book and Martin Scorsese is to direct it. What? Oh, yes, sir. What? what? Okay. So... Leo is by far my favorite actor. Oh my god, mine too. Like I don't have a genre favorite. I have an actor yes. favorite. That's yes. that's Leo. Yes. And so him and Martin Scorsese, how they always come together. My favorite thing is they always come for like the big hitters of history. Yes. And it is my dream. And I, I kind of have to hurry up, but it is my dream to have Leo play me for my life when I save the world. So that's something. Even though you're brown hair, brown eyed. Yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> and I'm like half his age, but you know, whatever. I still want Doesn't him matter, back yeah. right now. Exactly. Oh, absolutely. I mean, like the dude is a vampire. Exactly. He hasn't He's aged. Just... So, uh, but now my favorite book was The Great Gatsby. And so when he was Gatsby, I lost my shit. (laughs) So that's that's really interesting. I'll have to definitely check that out. No, like when these two get together, fucking magic happens, you know? Like you are entertained the entire film. Uh, You feel every single emotion that the the protagonist is going through. I mean, Mm -hmm. there is points in films where you're just like, oh, my God, Leo, please don't. You know what I mean? Like it just literally it is magic every single fucking time. And so when I, I remember like recording, I remember like researching it because I was like, what film will Leo be on next? Because, you know, I get like, I think it was right after The Revenant when I looked it up and he had uh, gotten his award via the Oscar. Yes, the Oscar. Finally, finally, finally. And and I I was a little upset that it was for that one. Like, yeah, it was good but like compared to everything else it just kind of felt like okay they felt bad and they're like okay we'll just give it to them on this one probably but i mean like this man deserves like what 12 yes 
He sure does. 15. I mean, I remember reading that because um, he was in What's Eating Gilbert Grape, mm-hmm. you know, and in this film he plays a uh, mentally handicapped child. Yeah. The and so. The brother of that one kid that was having an affair with that lady. Yes. And yeah. so when he showed up to the premiere, people actually thought that he was mentally handicapped because he was, I mean, he so portrayed it. Yeah. yeah. So convincing. And um, when they like realized that he was actually like talking in full sentences and he wasn't like autistic, you know what I mean? They were like, holy shit. Yeah. So, um, so yeah. Uh, so Holmes was born in New Hampshire, uh, on, uh, May 16th of of 1861. And he was born Herman Webster Mudgett. Um, (laughs) sorry. Mudgett. Um, just. For whatever reason, I saw Mudget and I thought of Muggle. That's exactly what I thought too. Yeah, like I just—I I don't know. I just or like Miss um, Muppet oh, yeah. being a you know mm-hmm. puppet, mm-hmm. having her curds and way. Like that's exactly what I thought. So having him have like such a Herman Webster, like such a dorky name, <laughs> but uh, um, so. His ch- a proper name, like, Isn't oh, did you ever have a, a nickname? No, I'm Herbert. Herman. It's Herman, Herman Webster. Herman Webster Mudgett. Mudgett. Yes. Um, so his childhood has been written about pretty extensively um, because of, like, this really famous quote that he said, and, and it was pretty much like, I was born with the devil in me, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, it, it continues into the inclination to murder came to me as naturally as the inspiration to do right comes to the majority of persons. Uh, But we're going to come back to that quote, so just bear with me. So our good old buddy Herman graduates high school at age 16, marries his first wife, Clara, at age 17, and he has a son with her just two years later. And the dude came out really natural, like normal, no mental illness or anything like that. I think it is uh, poignant to mention that he did have his little, what is, what was his eye thing called? His, uh, he had something that made his eye like go off. Lazy? Uh, there was a specific word for it, but he had some kind of little disorder for his eye. And this is Robert, his son or no, Howard? No, Howard. I did not know that. Yeah, no. So he had some kind of thing. And so a lot of the myths were that he was very awkward and not very socially inept. Herman? Yeah. Our Herman? Yes, our Herman. Oh, my God. But, in fact, you know, then they disproved, disproved everything by talking to his mom and saying, no, like, he was not a social butterfly, but he wasn't awkward either. And the fact that he was able to marry somebody at 17 and have a kid. Oh, know? yeah, absolutely. Like, so, that's pretty normal. Yeah. Especially uh, back in that day. Exactly, you know? yeah. But, no, so, yeah, he did have something with his eye that it caused it to like basically a lazy eye yeah there's a technical term i can't remember what it is um so he had a son with her two years after their they first got married and in 1882 at age 21 he entered the university of michigan's department of medicine and surgery and graduated just two years later uh which we also have to come back to later because what the fuck you know? know I know. Like when when they mentioned that, I was like, "What? It's only two years?" And like, hell, take me back in time, and I'll be right. Like, so like, 
I mean, this this is literally like years and years and years of school. This isn't just, oh, you know, I mean, tw- a doctor literally by age twenty one. Mm-hmm. Who does that? I know exactly. Yeah. Um. In 1884, before Holmes graduated, uh, housemates reported that he treated his wife, Clara, really terribly. And so, you know, she ends up leaving Michigan and goes home to New Hampshire. Um, He moves to New York, where his first murder may have taken place. He was seen with a little boy that later disappeared, and Holmes was like, ah, he went home to Massachusetts, and nobody ever brought it up again. That was a crazy thing because of transportation and communication. You could literally say somebody just... Oh, they, they went out of town, and that was fine. Nobody could dispute that, because... I mean, trains traveled at, what, like, 60 miles per hour back mm-hmm. then? I mean, like, now they can reach up to speeds of, like, 250, but back then it was, like, 60 miles per hour, mm-hmm. and that was... Oh, my God, that was so fast. And the train, the Industrial Revolution hadn't happened just quite yet, so there wasn't, like, a massive expansion of the railroad yet. Exactly. Um... So after she moves to New Hampshire, he moves to New York, where, oh no, I already said that um, about the little boy. But then right after that, like, after they start asking questions about the little boy, I guess he panics a little. So he moves again to Philadelphia and got a job at Norristown State Hospital, but quit a few days later. Um, he Nobody ever knew why, um, but he ends up getting another job at a drugstore in Philly. And coincidentally, a little boy dies after purchasing some medicine there. Um, and then Holmes immediately flees the city, you know, uh, he like right before moving to Chicago in 1886, uh, Herman Webster Mudgett then becomes Henry Howard Holmes. Um, he got another job at a different drugstore in, in Inglewood, Chicago, Illinois, and he proves to be like a hardworking employee and eventually buys the drugstore. Which this is where a lot of the myths also come into play because there's a lot of myths that say that he actually murdered the two owners and then took over the drugstore and here's the thing um the husband of the owner of the drugstore actually was an alumni where holmes graduated college from and um so i'm so glad that you brought that up but it was told very well that 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 couple actually lived their lives oh, yeah, well into way they survived him and you can go visit their grave to this day absolutely right next to each other so that's another thing debunked yeah you know um so when he gets this job and he purchases the drugstore he then purchases the lot across the street in 1887 and that's where he begins to build his murder castle um it was a two-story mixed-use building with um, and the apartments were to be like on the second floor and he was going to use that as a hotel and the first floor was space for like retail shops and he was going to build a new drugstore in there as well, which he ended up doing. Um, And then in 1888, after Aetna and Steele, the company that built his two-story hotel, uh, he ends up declining to pay them and was sued. And um, in 1892, which we're fast forwarding, and I, and I know I probably shouldn't do that, but in 1892, he added a third floor to add onto the hotel part, and he told investors he was going to have it ready for the upcoming World's Columbia Exposition, even though the hotel portion was never truly finished. It was actually furniture suppliers that started noticing that Holmes was hiding materials. 
in hidden rooms and passages throughout the building. And these rooms were soundproof and mazes of hallways that led nowhere. Um, which kind of also reminds me of the Winchester home. Mm. Have you heard of that? Yeah. So the Winchesters, they owned this rifle company, you know, the Winchester rifle. Mm-hmm. And uh, they were used very much so in World War. Was it World War One or the Civil War? I think it was more, but I might be mistaken. Right. Um, I can't remember either. But essentially, the wife ends up going to a psychic and starts talking about how you know, she's being haunted and the psychic goes, well, yeah, like every single rifle that your husband ever built or made or constructed, um, every rifle that ever shot a bullet and killed someone, those ghosts are after you. And so she constructed and constructed and constructed in her home, hallways leading nowhere, rooms, you know, you would open up a door and it would be like a, of the brick wall. Exactly. So, you know, and that's what that kind of reminds me of too. So there um, was a few um, doors that would lead to a brick wall in the uh, murder castle. In well. the murder castle, yeah. yeah. Um, so many of these rooms had chutes that would drop off into the basement. And um, I'm sorry, sorry. I'm, I'm, I read a little too far. So the second story consisted of torture rooms. And in 1894, police officers investigated the hotel while Holmes was out. They found rooms with hinged walls and false partitions. Uh, rooms linked to secret passageways, um, linked by secret passageways, sorry. And even airtight rooms that were connected to pipelines filled with gas, he used as gas chambers. Um, Shoots in these rooms led into the basement, which had vats full of acid, quicklime, a crematorium, surgical tables, medical tools used to dissect um, the bodies before selling their organs and bones on the black market and even medical institutions. And this is why I'm like, this dude could have been a freaking mortician. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. He could have been a surgeon. He knew exactly um, where everything was in the body. Like Exactly. Like uh, the right mixtures of the chemicals of how they get a person to be. Now, um, he could have been like a anesthesia anesthesiologist or something oh, yeah. it was anesthesi- like so you know particular in everything and uh, i think there is a, he had like a storage of, of chemicals down there in the basement as well of all kinds of different oh yeah um things. i believe like i don't want to give away the ending to devil in the white city but um one of the reasons that so he also ended up having like this uh torture room in the basement where he would essentially put women in there and pour acid on the floor to make them dance. Mm. Um, and one of the reasons that he was also like caught because of the murders is um, one of the women that was trying to escape ended up leaving her footprint on the floor, like the tiling of the floor. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it was like just a really fucked up situation. Yeah. He was a fucked up dude. Um, I think I need to stop recording right now because we're about to hit 30 minutes and then we can continue. So let me push this, um, get some more whiskey, and then we can continue. All right, you guys, and we're back, and Anthony has a lot of uh, information. Just little tidbits, just because I watched, like, a few YouTube videos. That's (laughs) awesome. Proceed with the tidbits. You were telling me about the furniture situation. So they're in his murder castle. Mm -hmm. Um, People, because one of the myths was, oh, you know, there's all these murders that happen in all these rooms. 
and in fact, a lot of the workers there just had confirmed that it was filled with a lot of furniture because uh, he was a con man mm -hmm. who would essentially buy things on credit and sell them to other people and then not pay the original debt back. And so a lot of times he had a lot of the inventory, so to speak, in these different rooms, which is another reason why he had it made like a labyrinth to keep the creditors from being able to take the furniture and other things back. Uh, in fact, there was one time, I can't remember if it was for the original drugstore, it was after he made the murder castle, but he had bought a safe and he told the builders to um, put four walls around it. And then when the creditors tried to come and like repossess the safe, he's like, go ahead, I dare you, but don't damage the house. <laughs> and they couldn't, so they just had to leave it there. Um, Smart. And he very much got around a lot of contracts that way where he would find little loopholes here and there and just have at it and he he would win they would just leave him alone that's what i say about everything it's like there's always a loophole you know there's yeah. always a way to get out of something there's always a way to like and people don't know this but even like going to jail or something you know there's always that loophole and that's why so many people um end up claiming like oh i was possessed by the devil or you know what i mean because yeah. if they claim insanity then they can go to like a nicer, maybe like an asylum. Um, One thing that I, uh, so when I was in university, the, uh, I took a business law class. And what I saw was that in fact, the law doesn't care about what's right at all, like at all. It's very much technical. Mm -hmm. And actually in another life, I probably would have been a very good lawyer because it's just knowing what the the law has been set you know the president from past uh, court cases and things but it's very much did it fall within this oh there's like a little wiggle room but technically no and then that's it yep and uh yeah it's pretty crazy how that's actually that how happens. like pedophiles get away with stuff it's like you not teaching your child the correct terminology uh for their private areas um, you know, cause they're like, oh, they touched my TT, but it's like, okay, well, there's no TT on the anatomy. Mm -hmm. So we don't know what that means. Exactly. You know, and they could point to a doll all fucking day and call it a TT, but they're like, there's no TT on the anatomy, you know? And, uh, again, going back to that, that law abiding citizen, it's just such a fucking good movie. You, you should watch it. No, but it's, it's, watch it's, it it's very much about that where he's. He's trying to push this prosecutor who let a murderer go on a technicality, who then ended up going back and, and murdering again and trying to show him the lesson. Like, because he, he very, he, what he did was he got revenge on the murderer, but like had researched the whole thing and law and everything and got it to where he was able to convince the judge that. He shouldn't be held without bail and that uh, he should be let go. And she believed him. And then as soon as that moment, he was like, are you fucking kidding me? I just killed a man and you were about to let me walk out that door. And it's very much like that in real life, actually, which kind of sucks.
technicalities. Yeah. All right. So where were we? All right. So these next, this next kind of portion. Um, thank you so much for staying tuned. Um, Anthony, I just have to say that I love your perspective and your articulation, and that you are so inapt and you are very um, well versed in the things that I am because you're adding things that I, you know, have forgotten to write about. You know, so thank you very, very much. Well, no, yeah, uh, thank you for uh, letting me do this. Uh, I just. When it comes to research and things, I just, I hate looking like a dumbass, basically. So, Same. You know? Uh, it's like so. trying to get into a fight with someone with politics. If they don't know the facts, they just look like a dumbass, right? Exactly. Mm. We're not talking about politics. Yeah. We're talking about murderers. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, back to our storyline. Um, in 1891, Holmes was having an affair with Julia Smythe, and once her husband found out, he quit his job and left her and their toddler behind. And then uh, both Julia and the toddler disappeared on Christmas Eve of 1891. <laughs> Another paramour, Emmeline Sigrande, 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 uh, started working for Holmes in 1892 and also disappeared in December of 1892. And that kind of makes me laugh because now I'm thinking he hates giving Christmas gifts, you know? <laughs> like, like he just goes, well, I have no idea what to get her. Yeah. Ah, uh, so frustrating. Uh, I guess I'll just get rid of I'll her. I'll just murder her. <laughs> problem solved, you know? Instead of uh, Because honestly, like, I don't know if it was jokingly or not, but my dad would. Uh, tell me like, hey, so you know the the thing is, you get a girlfriend and you dump her around Christmas time. Fuck. So don't or like to... Valentine. Yeah. So yeah. you don't have to give them presents. And I was like, oh, Ted, that's me. Like, no, I'm gonna do that. <laughs> fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> Super fucked up. But so I was like, you know, like eight. <laughs> <laughs> I really hope that you did though. You did learn I, and grow yeah, because yeah. of uh, your well, podcast. Yeah. yeah. So. But um. No, so with that... I like, like your dad. <laughs> he's awesome. I, I <laughs> hope to meet him one day. I would love to shake his hand and be like, hello, awesome. Mr. Hilarious. Yeah, no, he's really great. Oh, he is. He will roast anyone, anywhere. I'm ready. He's, he's got, man. But no, um, so he that that's what it reminds me of it's like oh yeah like i can't find a guest well, i guess here i go murdering again exactly right yeah. ah. <laughs> ah, so frustrating yeah. <laughs> what do i get her what do i get her um well i could kill her mm -hmm. then i don't have to worry about it right <laughs> and um so the next year um in early 1893 he meets Minnie Williams, an actress from Fort Worth, Texas, y'all. He offers her a job, somehow persuades her to transfer the deed of her property in Fort Worth, which um, which once I was reading, it's like, if you guys have never been to Fort Worth, Texas, the property that was hers was off Commerce and 2nd Street. So it was like that lot right there. And, um, and... He somehow persuades her to transfer the deed to her property in Fort Worth to a man named Bond. 
Alexander Bond, which was came to be one of his aliases. Mm-hmm. Uh, later, Minnie and her sister Annie write their mother in July, uh, stating that they were going to, and I put this in quotation marks for those of you that can't see, uh, to visit their brother in Europe, and neither were ever seen alive ever again. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Holmes was really a really great con artist. Um, he ends up leaving Chicago in July of 1894 and came to Texas to Minnie's property, where he was trying to construct another castle. So can I add, um, there was another thing that hasn't been confirmed, it's just kind of up in the air, mm-hmm. but they did say uh, that he basically put the sisters against each other. Mm-hmm. There was this one thing where they were like, oh, he was having an affair with the other one. But engaged to one. And so he was engaged to Minnie. There you go. And fucking Annie on the side. Yeah. And then the Minnie came in and then they start fighting. And then that's what happened or something. But pretty much he killed them both. And just kind of was like. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh kind of like what I want to know is that. Did he use a murder castle to like get rid of their bodies? Or did he like end up killing them separately? Did he kill them together? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because. And I'm going to show this off. I was going to say, because later on, we do see how yes. he, he does it together. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> sorry, where was I? Oh, um, it's when he's in Fort Worth, Texas, that he's arrested. And while arrested, he meets outlaw Marion Hedgepeth. And together, they concoct a plan to swindle 10 grand from an insurance agency by faking his death. So I want to give, because I, I was like, how far would you go to fake your own death, right? Because 10 grand is like, oh, okay. But I forget that's not including inflation. So I use an inflation calculator. It's I like was close like, to $300,000 yeah, in like, today's time. Yeah, it was like 280 something thousand dollars. So that's over a, a quarter of a million dollars. Yep. Well, in 2003, I'm sorry, in 2019, um, $10,000 was equivalent to $294,000 mm-hmm. in today's time. Um, so I'm just kind of like rounding up mm-hmm. a year and it's like $300,000, um, in, in today's money, but, um, swindling that, uh, 10 grand from an insurance agency by faking his death, that, that plan failed, uh, miserably because the insurance agency started getting like really suspicious and, um, and then, so kind of, he was like, oh, fuck it, you know? And so he kind of ends up creating, concocting this. Same exact plan with his best friend, uh, Ben Pitzel. Is that how you read it, Pitzel? Yeah, I, I was looking because I have a friend and her name is Itzel. Okay. And I was like, oh, you just put a P in front of it, so it's Pitzel. Uh, so I kind of, because I've heard pronunciations of different ways, and I was like, I think Pitzel is probably the, the, the most, best. Yeah. The yeah. Best one I could see, so. Um, and okay, so like, uh, so. You know, they concoct the same exact plan, but instead of doing it in Texas, they end up traveling to Philadelphia with his kids. Um, and instead of going through with the plan, Holmes kind of knocks Ben unconscious with chloroform and sets his body on fire, which forensic evidence showed that the chloroform was actually administered after Ben's death. Hmm. Yeah, so our, our, buddy, our buddy here was um, a little fucked up. Yeah. You know? Just, you know, just, just a tiny bit. Just, a bit. just like a hell of it. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So Holmes collected the money because his oldest daughter was like, yeah, that's my dad. You know, unknowingly to her that that really was her dad. Like, Yeah, so uh, for reference, they were all in on the plan. The yeah. kids knew, the wife knew. All of them. But they thought it was a fake body. And this is Ben's family. And it's fucked up. The kids thought that that was, was their fake body. fake body of their dad burned to a crisp right yeah. there. And so it, unbeknownst to them, it was the real body that they were identifying, but exactly. they had no clue. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Man. So Holmes collected the money and kind of waltzed around with Ben's kids. Um, you know, he takes them all the way up to Toronto, Canada, and he later confesses to killing the girls by locking them in. So he was like evading the wife, Ben's wife, you know, by saying, oh, uh, Ben's in hiding in London and he's over there with them. And, um, oh, well, they're safe with me. You know what I mean? Like he was so like, he was, from what I gathered, he was basically doing a balancing act by keeping them all shush in different parts of the country like he would shuffle each kid to a different place Mm -hmm. and the mom to somewhere else and sometimes they were in the same city but had no idea that they were both there at the same time so towards the end of the death of the children they were essentially like they were in a cottage in one section of Toronto and then like blocks away but that's where that's where Holmes was with his wife you know so that's kind of like they were I mean he was like keeping them hush by by just being like oh we're just gonna be over here mm-hmm. you know what I mean mm-hmm. but also telling Ben's wife that they were in London and shit um basically that oh he he's uh he's still in hiding we gotta wait for him to We'll meet him up over here. Oh, he has to go over here. And they kept just uh, a little shuffling act until he could. I forgot if he was like trying to figure something out or what he was trying to do during that time. I can't remember. Um, I think he was just kind of like he had the money in his hand and he was like trying to figure out like how to get rid of them mm-hmm. and how to evade the wife because he didn't want to pay Ben's wife the money because they were supposed to split it, you know, 50 50, which. I mean, dude is greedy. Yep. Let's just let's just admit that this dude is fucking greedy. Um, he's like, it's five thousand dollars, which in today's time, five thousand dollars is equivalent to half of three hundred thousand dollars, one hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Yeah. Come on, man, fucking give her a nickel. Be chill. Yeah. <clears throat> so. He ends up, he later confesses to killing the girls by locking them in a trunk, drilling hole, like a hole in it, and then he shoved a hose into it and attached it to a gas line, therefore asphyxiating them. Hmm. So, I mean, like, we already know through the murder castle that he already has, um, what's it called, uh, experience with gas pipes and all of that. So, obviously, he knew how to fucking just kill them. And in a way, he did kind of do it mercilessly, like, mercifully, because he didn't, like, chop them up. But um, I didn't find any how as to how he killed Ben's son, Howard, but they found his teeth and bone bits in the chimney of the same cottage that they were in. Um, But their bodies weren't discovered until July 1895. So remember, this was July of 1994, so they had already decomposed and everything, by that time so kind of in a way it's like who's to know that that was actually howard's body you know i'm not saying that he didn't kill him i'm just saying like 
after so long and decom- decomposition has happened, like how do you know it really is him? Yeah. You know? No, yeah. Although on the going back to the forensic files, there was this the one episode we saw with the girl on the barrel. I don't know if you if you've seen that one. It's like she got killed in the sixties and she was in a barrel for thirty years and they found her in nineteen ninety nine. And it, she was uh, from El Salvador and uh, uh, a plastic executive, they, they've made like plastic plants or something. Mm-hmm. Um, he was having an affair with her and she got pregnant and she called his house and his wife answered and she was like, hey, and so I'm pregnant and your husband is the father. father. And he called her back and he's like, I'm going to fucking kill you. And she's like, oh shit, I fucked up. And then she disappeared. And uh, evidently, she was in a barrel, like an oil, an oil drum, under his house until he moved. And then there was like three other owners of that house until 30 years later oh she was God. found. And then they did all the forensic stuff. And I'm moving through my life hurts. Sorry. I'm listening. But no, so that, you know, because even was- then, like, that, that was way advanced technology and now forensics and stuff and back then it's just like yeah they're decomposition but that's kind of like what i'm thinking is that her body probably was really well preserved uh fetus included it it had the fetus and it it was uh it was decomposing but unlike in breaking bad where they have like that chemical i forgot what it was hydrochloride was it hydrochloric acid or something like that yeah it's the same shit that's in your stomach was it? I feel like it was something stronger. We should uh, Google it. I, I don't remember. But I was like, why didn't he do that? Because all he did was put some little plastic pellets in there. On it, he was supposed to dump her in the ocean or something, but he got he lazy. Fa- no, he found out that it was too heavy to put on his boat. It was like 350 pounds. So he he was like, oh shit. So he just kind of scooted it under his basement. So, wow. Yeah. So no, he raised a good dude. He raised his entire family with this girl and her. Eight, she was nine months pregnant. Wow. In his basement the whole time. So you know, go human beings. All right, that was really fucking depressing. <laughs> <laughs> Holy fuck, you know. <laughs> Sometimes I'm like, should I even talk about the way that they murdered people? Because there's probably, like, people listening that are like, hey. Yeah. That's know, a great way to do it. You, you know, know what I mean? It, but, uh, but in today's society with, like, well, cameras so and traffic lights. And- he got caught, and it was he was 70 years old. They show up at his house, and they're like, hey, so did you know this person? It's 30 years ago. How the fuck do I know? Did you have an affair? Yeah. Who? What she look like? I don't know. Okay. Well, can we get the sample to see if her DNA matches? No. Get the fuck out of my house. He's like, all right. Well, we're gonna come back with a court order, and we'll be back. Uh, they get a call. He went to Walmart, bought a shotgun and some shells, and just like, and that was it. Yeah. And well, the secret's out already. Like. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, you know, it's it's uh, sad. Yeah, it's fucked up yeah. and depressing. 
<laughs> That's fucking terrible, Andy. What is it? What is it? What's the fuck that? You know, but the moral of the story is it's not about that. It's about the friends we made along the way. <laughs> I don't know. He made like no friends. He, okay. Which kind of just tells me that, like, if he got away with it for 30 years, raised a whole ass family, this dude probably kept having affairs because he had gotten away with it for so long. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, it, you, you know, you <laughs> get emboldened. Which is like our motherfucker is. right here. Like, this dude ha- had three wives at the same time, you guys. Dude, three fucking wives. He fucking, he had three of them, and then he went back and said, I had I have amnesia <laughs> <laughs> from a train accident. And they were so happy to have him back. <laughs> and I was like, that is fucking crazy. Con like, artist, I could just, dude. I could just disappear for 10 years and be like, nah, it's okay. <laughs> like, I got hit in the head. Oh, oh, my God, a husband. I'm so happy to have you back. We've been married this whole time, and you've been gone. But thank you for showing up after your terrible train accident. Yeah, exactly, and she was so fucking ecstatic, too. That's the sad part. She was so happy. She was so happy to have him back. Meanwhile, he was... He's, do whatever the fuck he wants to do. I did end up reading on Clara, and it was like, she ended up just going like, I only knew Mudget. I didn't know Holmes, you know? Yeah. So when they were trying to, like, interview her and shit, she was just like, guys, I don't fucking know, you know? So anyway, let's continue. So we left off at <laughs> their um, the kid's bodies being discovered in July 1895, um, and then he was arrested in October 1895, did I say 1995 or 1895? Uh, I think you said 18. Okay, good. But, you know. um, so this is where he confessed to 27 murders um, that were all in Chicago, Indianapolis, and Canada, Toronto, Canada. Um, but some people he confessed to murdering were actually still alive. So shut up. Um, and then during lockup, he started saying that he was innocent and possessed by Satan, and he kind of like started claiming uh, insanity. Um, he even wrote in some of his confessions that he was beginning to resemble the devil, and I guess that was just like him not eating enough, being malnourished, you know, like his cheekbones and all of that just started to like, you know, so him to himself, he was like, oh shit, I do look evil, you know? Um and on May 7th of 1896, just days away from his birthday, he was hung. Um, but right? Yeah, 35 years old. Before his 35th birthday, he was hung. Um, but call it karma because when the trap went down, his neck didn't snap. So he was strangled slowly for 15 minutes and pronounced dead after 20. Mm. Um and then he asked his coffin to be filled with cement so grave robbers couldn't dissect him. Except uh, his great, 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 great grandson broke the cement dome, unearthed him. Hold on, I'm about to talk about that. Okay. I'm about to talk <laughs> okay. about that. I'm about to talk okay. about that. Because remember, I told you, we had to come back to Jack the Ripper, yeah. right? Yeah. Okay, so back to the theory of him being Jack the Ripper. 
Um, a lot of theorists thought that H.H. Holmes was Jack the Ripper because he had that instant where he literally just left Chicago and then disappeared, right? But Jack the Ripper was the late 1890s, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, so he was he died in 1896. Mm-hmm. And there was this moment where nobody knew where Holmes was, but he was in jail. He was out there murdering people. I mean, there's this timeline of where people knew exactly where Holmes was. Um, and in 20, 2017, H.H. H. Holmes's great, great, great grandson, which you were just about to mention, what's his name? Can't remember. Exactly. He's <laughs> never mentioned. And I think that's just for animosity. Um, but he said he had proof that Holmes was the notorious ripper stating he had found Holmes's diaries, which described, because now he's the owner, um, which described vicious, viciously mutilating and murdering prostitutes in London. Um, but once again, going back, you guys, I told you we were all going to come back and it's going to be full fucking circle because Ruby does her motherfucking research no matter how drunk she is, okay? Um, so, uh, hold on, fuck. I lost my myself. Um, so back to Aaron Kosminski, which is the Polish barber, right? So they ended up finding this DNA on the shawl that was on the prostitute that was murdered. And it turns out that the shawl was actually Aaron Kosminski's mother's shawl. Mm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So forensic pathologists or forensic scientists are like trying to get all of this DNA and, um, there is this really huge, like, there was an article put out that it was actually Aaron Kaminsky that was Jack the Ripper, but because he was, um, but because of all the manhandling and everything on the shawl, like, they couldn't say for sure, and then there were other forensic, uh, forensic investigators that were like, how could you put out this rubbish when it's not even proved, you know what I mean? But the DNA found, uh, from Jack the Ripper, it just kind of like, it all just like makes sense that it could have been this barber because when the murder stopped, it was when he was in an insane asylum. When the murder started again, it was when he was out, Mm. you know? Mm -hmm. And so it was this like back and forth thing that he was a schizophrenic and he was like doing this and doing that. And then the kid didn't even live for a very long time. I think he ended up dying like in his forties, which honestly back then that was kind of like normal, like, 40s, you've already lived a long life, you know, um, and they ended up tracing this, like, his DNA all the way back to Poland, and it's just, it's just, um, I'm trying to remember what I read on the documentary, um, but pretty much the forensic people, um, scientologists or whatever, scientists, sorry. I was going to say, they were scientologists, my bad. Not scientologists. The whiskey starting to hit. You're about to get sued by Tom Cruise. I know, allegedly, allegedly. The scientists ended up saying that, like, um, they couldn't exactly say who or what it was, but Aaron Kaminsky was most likely, allegedly, the murder suspect so like the one that actually really fucking did it because um because of like having the what's it called like the blade cutting the prostitute's faces and all of that Mm -hmm. 
was pretty much like the blading on a, an old barber knife that they used back in the day. Um, he was in and out of London, of course, due to the insane asylums, and then the DNA on there. Um, kind of what I wanted to know was like, why didn't anyone dig up Catherine's bones? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But then again, I'm like, well, she was a prostitute. There was probably a lot of semen on there anyway. So that's <laughs> fucked up, right? <laughs> but yeah. So, um, so yeah, like after I read all of this research or I did all of this research and I just kept reading and reading and reading, like we know exactly where H.H. Holmes was at all fucking times, mm -hmm. you know? Jack the Ripper, we kind if it was Aaron Kaminsky, like we kind of know where he was at all times, you know? And then the fact that it lasted well over 11 years of this kid allegedly, because I don't want to get sued, yeah. but allegedly doing, you know, um, doing these crimes, I mean, I have to say it was Kaminsky, allegedly. I mean, you know. It's... But you guys, I love you all. Thank you so much for listening. Um, it's kind of all we have for the show. Anthony, you want to say anything? Uh, he was a rock star, then he got caught. <clears throat> always. They all get caught. You always get caught. Don't do this. Yeah. Don't, don't do this. It. Don't do this at home. Okay. Bye, you guys. Love you. Be safe. Wear a mask.